Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Monica, host of From Heartbreak to Healed. I'm a life coach for women. I'm a wife, a mama, a granny, and a Christian. I help women turn their heartbreak into joy. After walking my own infidelity journey, it has become my passion to help guide you on your journey. This podcast is for the woman who is ready to heal her heartbreak and find joy on the other side. Let's get started. Here we are, episode seven. I've been thinking recently about all of the ways that I tried to heal from the pain of infidelity. And so I decided today to give you a top 10 list. So I'm sharing my 10 favorite things that I did to support myself and my emotions um, during this painful time. And there's a little spoiler alert. Like some of these things I still practice. Some of these things turned into things that I do for myself consistently that maybe needed to be happening before the healing journey started. But I want to share with you the top 10 things that I found to be most helpful to support me on my journey. So the very first thing I think that I would mention is prayer. And whether, you know, I know there's some of you here that may not be Christians and prayer may not be your thing, but maybe there is something else that you do where you communicate in the universe or whatever it is. But for me, it's prayer and prayer to my God. And I've always been a Christian. I'm what they call a cradle Catholic, which means I was born into Catholicism. But I was really good at using prayer when I was in need. And so I just got really serious about my prayer life. It was just really dull. And there was a lot of room for improvement. But, you know, getting back into my faith helped me so much on this healing journey. Uh, I also picked the Bible back up and I started reading the Bible again. Actually, I had never read the entire Bible. Last year, I actually read the entire Bible in 365 days. I'm so proud of myself. And I know had I not um, taken a deep dive into my faith and into my prayer life during this healing journey, I would not have done that. But so that prayer was probably the best thing I did to support myself. Number two, therapy. I found a therapist. Uh, It took me four tries to find someone who could help me. But I'm so grateful that I had that person who I could confide in. I had that person who could be the voice of reason. I had that person who would say to me, yeah, that's a normal feeling you're having. Yeah, that's a normal emotion that comes with grief. And you're mourning the loss of a relationship. So yes, this is normal. And so I think I needed that. And I will tell you, I don't see a therapist anymore, but I do have a life coach, which I think can be just as powerful. I didn't know what a life coach was eight, nine, 10 years ago when I started this journey, but I still have a life coach 
that I will probably have one the rest of my life because what I learned from doing that was how impactful it is to have that person in your life who can show up and hold space for you and hold you accountable, but yet also still be on your side at the same time. So finding that that person, the life coach, the therapist, and it's going to take some, you know, like I said, it took me four tries to find the right person or the right fit for me. So don't be afraid to try somebody out and be like, this is not working and try somebody new. The third thing that I did was I made time for friends. Uh, I had spent a lot of the previous years of my marriage in hiding. I look back now and I see that. For fear that if people got too close to us, they would see the reality of what was happening in our marriage. And so I did not have friends. I did not make time for friends. And um, so I made that a priority. I realized when I started going through this divorce that I did have friends and they started showing up for me in droves. And so I started something called First Fridays. And on the first Friday of every month, I was teaching. um, I was teaching first grade at the time. On the first Friday of every month, I had a bunch of friends because most of my friends were teachers. And then we would all get together at my house like at four o'clock. And we'd open a bottle of wine and we'd have snacks and we would just hang out and chat. And I would have this house full of people. They'd bring their kids. The kids would run around and play. The The mama friends would get together and hang out and talk. And it was so life-giving for me to have that. And so I, I encourage you to like find a way to make some time for some friends. If you don't have some friends, go make some. Because there are women out there who are waiting to be your friend. Okay, the fourth thing that I put on my list was that I put myself in rooms with others who were suffering too. And um, that, let me tell you, that changes you. When you can put yourself in a space with people who have shared experiences as you, Um, people who are wanting to heal that you then heal together, it has a profound effect on your life, on your emotions, on your healing. So I did a couple things. One, I did a couple retreats. And uh, I remember one of the retreats I went to, I begrudgingly went, but my mom and my sister encouraged me to go. It was just a women's retreat. And I cried the whole way driving there because I was so emotionally fragile. And I cried the entire weekend. The entire weekend I cried. But it was such a therapeutic weekend for me. And I found other women who were being asked to sit at the same tables that I was. And we got to share our sorrows and our heartaches, and some of our joys, and it was just so powerful. So put yourself in rooms with others who are suffering, with others who are sharing the same experiences as you, 
others that are trying to heal so that you can heal together. I had a friend, a dear friend who was walking through a divorce at the same time as I was, and we spent a lot of time connecting with each other, commiserating with each other, laughing with each other. So I just am so grateful that I thought to do that when I was going through this journey. Number five was, and I've talked about this already in the podcast, but I started running. I moved my body. I did some kind of physical activity. Instead of sitting at home on my hiney, moping and crying, which is what I wanted to do most of the time, I made a commitment and a promise to myself to move my body. And it did two things. One, the the moving of my body is a way that you can complete the stress cycle. So not only was I getting the physical benefits of moving my body, but I was also getting some of the mental and emotional benefits of it. The other thing making that commitment did is it taught me how to keep promises that I make for myself, which is so important. And I didn't realize how much I needed to really like work that muscle, build that muscle, that muscle of commitment in my brain. And so I encourage you to move your body in some way. It can be simple. It can be hardcore. You can, you know, take it at whatever intensity you want, but moving your body is so powerful. Okay, number six was self-care. And I was terrible at self-care. Terrible. I, during my divorce, I ended up buying a house that the kids and I moved into and my now ex-husband moved back into our home. So we, during our divorce, we were owning the two homes and at the end of the divorce, one would be mine and one would be his. And we were fortunate enough that we were able to do that. And so I had some stipulations for this next house for the kids and I. And one of the things that it had to have was an amazing bathtub for me. Because one of the ways that I practiced self-care for myself, besides prayer, besides making time time for friends, besides going to therapy, besides moving my body, was I started taking baths consistently. I love to take an Epsom salt soak bath. Love, love, love it. And so I just started making that one of my priorities. I'd get the kids in bed, and then it was just me. And there was nobody I needed to spend time with. There was nobody I needed to, you know, take care of. It was just me. I was the person that I needed to spend time with. And I did a lot of healing in that bathtub. I did a lot of crying. I did a lot of soul searching. I did a lot of um, just, just being with myself. And gosh... When you can learn to be with yourself in all your emotions, man, the healing just moves along so much faster. All right, number seven is um, I started learning about aromatherapy, and it was a new thing to me. I followed a few bloggers who were getting started with essential oils, and this concept of having a diffuser and ditching my candles was... You know, I'd always been a little bit of a crunchy mom. And so I was, when I started researching candles and how toxic they were, 
I ordered myself one year. I took my Christmas money. It was two days after Christmas, and I ordered myself an aromatherapy beginner's box. And I thought I was just ditching candles, but I started to learn how aromatherapy could benefit your emotions. And so there were two oil blends that came in my beginner's box that I really fell in love with. And one of them was called Joy. And I'll tell you this story about Joy. I actually hated the smell of Joy when I got it. And there's a, you know, like there's a, I don't know if it's a an old wives' tale. I don't know if it's true, false, or what. But there's something that floats around in the essential oil world that says that if there's an oil you hate the smell of, that means your body needs that oil. And I was like, well, that would make sense. I can't stand the smell of joy because there is not any joy in my life right now. And um, so I had heard somebody else who was using these oils talk about how they applied joy over their heart every day to give them a little mood boost. So I started applying joy over my heart. And then the other one I fell in love with, it was called Stress Away. And I would use it like as my perfume blend. And I put a little roller top on it and I just carried it around. And um, anytime I would get a text message that upset me before I had to, you know, walk into the attorney's office to do the next step to the divorce, I would put that stress away on. And so I still use those oils. I actually still apply joy over my heart every single day. And now I've taken a major deep dive into aromatherapy and use them for all kinds of things. But those two blends that came in my beginner's box were so powerful for me. And I they still hold just opening the bottle of those and smelling them elicits such warm, fuzzy feelings for me. And so if you are, um, you know, new to aromatherapy, that might be something to try because the the connection between aromatherapy and emotions is so strong. Number eight, this was, well, this was a hard one. I learned to ask for help. That is not something that comes easily or naturally for me. I have a very strong I'll just do it myself mentality. And when I look back on on some things that's happened in my life, there's probably some reasons why I have that. It's also probably just maybe personality type. But I had to learn to ask for help, but I also had to learn to accept help. And I had a lot of people offering to help me. I had a friend and her husband who showed up one Saturday to help me. Um, I was redoing the landscaping in this new house that I had bought. And her and her friend helped. They showed up to help get rid of some rose bushes that I didn't want. And, you know, she said, oh, I'm going to bring my husband over and we're going to help you get those out of there. That's too hard for you to do by yourself. Or, you know, once I um, got passed through my divorce and I started dating, you know, my husband would offer to mow the, my husband, what was boyfriend at the time, my boyfriend would offer to mow the lawn for me. And I had to learn to, you know, instead of saying, no, I'll get to it eventually, I had to learn to like be okay with saying, you know what? Yeah, that would be amazing because that's one less thing I have to do on the to-do list. And I had neighbors, I had friends, I had family all offering ways of helping. And I and I got really good at saying, yes, 
please, and thank you. But I also learned how to ask for help. Could you come over and help me with this? Could you just come over and hang out with me? I just I just don't want to be by myself tonight. And that was a really great way to support myself and could be a really great way for you to support yourself too. Number nine was or is, I still I still do this, but I created with my hands. I truly believe that we are made to create. We, God created us to create things. And so I started creating. I, I, you know, did a lot, 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 lot of work to this home that I bought. I remember buying the house and showing it to my mom. She came, you know, as I was in the purchasing process and she's like, tell me again why you want this house? Because all I've heard you talk about are all the things you want to change. Well, to me, the house was a project and I love projects. I love to decorate my home. I love to, you know, I love home decor. I love all of that. So I painted my entire house, all 3,000 plus square feet. I made a wreath. I made learned to make like DIYs with my oils. I decorated my home. I, you know, did a little small remodel project in the kitchen. Like I just got so busy creating with my hands. And it's one of the things that I did when... um my kids were gone on every other weekend when they were gone and on, you know, the one night a week that they were with their dad, I would create. And the first thing I did probably was, besides start painting my house, the first thing I did was my son was an avid reader. And at a very young age, he had taught himself to read and he had read the all the Harry Potter books so many times that they were falling apart. The The pages were falling out of them. And I did not have the heart to throw the books away. And I ended up taking the pages out of those books and I made a wreath. And this, this wreath took me months because you had to like roll up each page individually and apply, you know, each page onto the wreath form individually. It took months. But it is one of my favorite things that I have in my home one of my absolute favorite things. So I just learned how to create something with my hands. I sewed curtains. I, um, you know, painted different things and retweaked the mantle and painted some brick. I mean, I just did so many things that I created with my hands. And the 10th thing that I came up with for my top 10 list is I just allowed my family to love me. My aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my parents, my siblings. I had shut myself off from a lot of my family and a lot of the world for a long time. Because, you know, when you are keeping secrets, I guess you could say, which is what I felt like I was doing, it's easier to be shut off than to be open. Because if you're a shut off and closed person, people, you're not very approachable and people aren't going to approach you. And when I allowed myself to show up in my pain and let people really see what I was going through and how I was feeling, they wanted to love me in a way that I had probably never been loved before. And I will say that I have deeper relationships 
especially with my aunts, my uncles, my cousins now, than I ever had before this, because I just was willing to allow them to love me in the best way they knew how. And oftentimes that love showed up in like words of affirmation, which is not my love language, but boy, do those feel good. I didn't realize how much words of affirmation mean to me until I was willing to let people speak them over me without like poo-pooing or dismissing them. And so I want to encourage you to just allow the people that are in your life that want to be in your life to love you however they know how to love you. And just let that wash over you. Let that fill you with peace and joy. Because what I found is when I allowed myself to be loved wholly by others who wanted to love me, it gave me the capability to love others more. And I feel like that's the whole point of life is how well we love others. So that's my top 10 list. 10 things that I did to support myself during my healing journey. And I want to encourage you, if you are listening to this list and you're like, oh my gosh, just pick one. Pick one thing from the list and start there. Maybe it's you finally make an appointment for a therapist or you hire a life coach. Maybe it's you finally decide, you know what, I'm going to start having friends over once a month. Or maybe you just take a bath tonight and just let the emotions of the day just wash over you. Find the one thing that you can start today to support yourself through your heartbreak, through your pain, and then it'll be easier to add other ways to support yourself. All right, I'll see you back next week. That wraps up today's episode. I would love for you to leave a rating with a review. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the other ways that you can hang out with me. If you're looking for more one-on-one help in your healing journey, I'm opening a few more spots for coaching. You'll get 12 weeks of one-on-one coaching with me specific to your needs. You will also get a copy of my Joy Creator Journal, which is literally worth its weight in gold. Fill out the interest form in the show notes and I'll be in touch. Let's get you on the path to creating massive amounts of joy. Much love, Monica. And remember, joy comes in the morning.